Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 21, featuring the top five doppelgangers, duplicates, and doubles. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks Podcast. Or am I? could be my evil twin or an alternate reality version of myself or even a version of myself from some kind of displaced reality. Who knows? Now, I'm pretty sure I'm myself, actually. Why? Because I'm super excited about tonight's awesome topic, our top five doppelgangers, duplicates, and doubles. And one of the reasons we're doing this topic tonight is because of the awesomeness of Star Trek Discovery Season 1 and what they've added to Trek lore in terms of some uh, doppelgangers and mirror doubles and duplicates. So joining me tonight on this awesome Trek Ranks topic is two semi-regulars here on the show. First up, making her third Trek Ranks appearance is one of my best Trekkie friends, Claire Little. Claire, how can we be sure this is really you? Ooh, I guess you're just going to have to trust me, but that never turns oh, out that's Star Trek. That's what they, all, that's what they always say. That's going to be trouble. All right. We, we're pretty sure it's you. We were talking beforehand. <laughs> All right. Our other host tonight is making his second Trek Ranks appearance. He's Ken Riley from the premier Star Trek fan site and resource website, TrekCore.com. Ken, good to have you back, buddy. You there? Hey, Jim. Glad to be back on the show. All right. We are ready. This topic is going to be great. I think uh, all right. Let's no, let's not let's not waste any time with chit chat. I'm going to jump right into our uh, our Trek ranks reset because this topic is going to be so mammoth. So first up, as regular listeners will know by now, our general order number one here at the Trek ranks podcast is that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics to really just get the conversation started. Hopefully, when you listen, you'll have some fun with it and maybe think about a few episodes or ideas that you haven't thought about for a while. Our mantra here at Trek Ranks is no wrong answers. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things we love about Trek. And sometimes I get into a little rant, so I'm going to do that this episode that I like to harp on for a little bit. This is a nitpick, nitpicking-free zone. I, I kind of find nitpicking to be really debased. It's just not that clever or funny. 99% of the time, it really says more about the lack of logic in a nitpicker than it does in the actual nitpick Getting off my high horse now so we can move on to our good friend, the Vulcan Master. Infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. All right. So anyways, we love all Trek here. From TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline and now Discovery. So it's all fair game on the Trek Reigns podcast. And just a reminder that we use episodes as our shorthand, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Black alert. Black alert. Black alert. Black alert. I think everyone knows what that means. We are not initiating a spore jump. We are reminding everyone that Discovery spoilers are potentially in play at any time on Trek Ranks, and we're currently current on Discovery through Season 1, Episode 13. Okay, before we jump into our level one diagnostic, let's quickly power up the Argus Array so everyone knows how they can hail us. Hailing frequencies are open. You can check us out on the World Wide Web at trekranks.com and at the tricordertransmissions.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message with your own picks, you can do that at 609-512-LLAP. We love getting voicemails from you guys. So if you have the time, give us a call 609-512-5527. And I will give you that number again at the end of the show. You can also find the Tricorder Transmissions on Facebook and Twitter. And you can reach me on Twitter at TrekRanks and also at Enterprise Extra. So hopefully we'll hear from you because this show is definitely better when we're hearing from you. Okay, to wrap it up, Claire and Ken, would you like to tell everybody how they can get a hold of you? Claire? 
Sure. I'm on Twitter at IsolinearChick. That's C-H-I-C-K, not Chip. Uh, and that's it. All right. Ken, how about you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? You can find me writing at TrekCore.com or on Facebook and Twitter at TrekCore. Awesome. Two great follows and sites if you're not following them. But if you're listening to Trek Ranks, you're probably following TrekCore. That's my thinking. Let's get ready to activate our level one diagnostic. Diagnostic cycle will be complete in 20 seconds. So this week's diagnostic cycle, I think, is going to be real quick, and then we'll jump into our prime directive. But I just wanted to start quickly and define for everyone how we're going to put our list together this week. We, we've purposefully kept it very broad by labeling this as top five doppelgangers, duplicates, and doubles. So that can literally be anything you want to defend. Doubles or twins like Kirk and the Enemy Within or Riker in Second Chances or Balana in Faces – or it could be the mirror version duplicates of one of your favorite characters. Or it could even be like a displaced reality doppelganger like Picard in the Inner Light or Ben Sisko as Benny Russell in Far Beyond the Stars. Or even someone like Miles O'Brien in Hard Time when he lives a 20-year life as a prisoner. Or O'Brien in Whispers when he's replaced by a replicant. Or O'Brien in Visionary when he's jumping through time and replaced by a version of himself. Or I guess really O'Brien in anything, because O'Brien must suffer, as they say. All right. So before we get into the Prime Directive, one quick question for Ken and Claire. Just want to – I'm going to – actually, I'm going to start. I, I always say I would have no issue meeting my own duplicate. I always, I always see the way TV shows sometimes treat duplicates as automatically this trope where they don't get along. And I'm looking at Will and Thomas Riker when I say that, where, they all, where the duplicates always hate each other. So – Full disclosure, I would love hanging out with myself. No issues. So how about you guys? Claire, where, where do you meet on sun meeting your own duplicate? <laughs> uh, I would like to meet my younger self. I think I would totally hang out with teenage Claire. And I think teenage Claire would be mostly okay with where I've turned out. Maybe a little embarrassed. Maybe I'm too lame. I don't know. But I think, I think teenage Claire would really like my apartment. <laughs> that is fantastic. How about you, Ken? Where do you stand on meeting your duplicate? I think one of me is probably enough. If there were two, uh, I think we'd probably try to foist off all the work we have to do during the day on each other, and in the end, nothing would ever get done. <laughs> See, my, I would, I would, I would join forces with my guys. So we could hang out and just do nothing. Say the two me's would get absolutely nothing done, and we would be okay <laughs> with that. I like it. Well, maybe the clip, maybe the the Riker trope is is legit. I don't know. Let's. Uh, I just wanted to get that feel, sir, as before we jump into our prime directive. I do not concur with your captain's decision. She's following our prime directive. Define prime directive. So, Claire, based on that diagnostic I just ran you through, tell me, how did you approach your list? Was it a long list? Did uh, you come up with a lot of examples? How did you, how did you narrow it down? Uh, at first, it was a really long list. And then um, I'll just say I hope that you and Ken chose some of the like kind of meaty examples. There are a lot of really good examples of doppelgangers and duplicates that tackle big issues. I decided to go kind of silly with it and intentionally push the boundaries of the topic. I chose things that were fun to talk about, and I didn't choose anybody from the mirror universe or any like social issues or examples where it's, you know, like this deep character portrait. I've picked things <laughs> that I thought were funny. <laughs> okay. I love it. That's a, that's a great way to approach it, especially when it's such a broad topic. There's so much out there. How about you, Ken? How did you look at it? Well, for my picks, I tried to stay away really from any duplicate that wasn't really real. So aside from maybe something that involved um, Voyager's doctor, I don't have any holograms. I have no uh, illusions, no hallucinations. All of mine are real physical duplicates of people uh, elsewhere seen on the show. So I tried to keep them to ones that were a little more physical. Okay, I like and this. Here. I don't think you and I will have any duplicates <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, of duplicates. No duplicate duplicates. 
Are you? That's great. So we have a kind of a funny, lighthearted list, maybe, and then a re, only real character. And then mine, I got to say, my process was was pretty choppy. I just uh, kept thinking of new possibilities, new ways to look at the topic because it's so broad. And I had a super long list, but I'll I'll say in terms of narrowing it down, I I I knew immediately what my number one was going to be. I, I sometimes I, I usually do. I love my number one pick, but after that, it was kind of I'm a little bit all over the place. I have some some real ones, I have some imaginary ones, or yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's uh, listen. One thing I know for sure is I would never want to meet a duplicate or a double or a doppelganger of Third Romanticon. Because that guy is a badass. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Actually, I would love to meet a duplicate because I love that guy. <laughs> All right. So just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, each of us will reveal our five-word summary and a hashtag for our selection. This is the Trek Ranks original that we use to quickly frame how we're thinking about each topic. Then we'll reveal our selection and the episode in which we think are, you know, the, are the the episode that best represents that pick. And then we'll each comment about it. And at the end, we'll go through a few secondary system selections for the picks that maybe just missed our list or we want to give a special shout out to. So, And if we end up having any duplicate picks of our duplicate picks, make sure to listen for this sound. Those are the defiant torpedoes. I don't know if we're going to have duplicates. We'll see. All right, Claire, let's start with you. What's your number five pick for your list of top five doppelgangers, duplicates, and doubles? Starting with the five words? Yeah, sure. However you, however you want to unveil it. Oh, okay. Uh, my five words are computer, increase horn dog to maximum. <laughs> uh, so I, my number five choice are the different versions of Riker that we find in A Matter of Perspective, which is the oh. holodeck trial episode. Um, maybe not the most exciting episode ever, but I find the different versions of Riker to be hilarious. And sort of all of Riker's best slash worst qualities turned up to 11. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's real pouty. Uh, <laughs> so... Yep. You know, first in Riker's version, he thinks of himself as this like irresistible, quietly masculine guy. In Manua's version, he is a complete sleaze ball to the point that he tries to rape her. And then in Dr. Apgar's version, he and Mrs. Apgar are making out, and then Riker is immediately like beat up by Dr. Apgar. Um, by the end of the episode, I'm finding myself thinking, who cares if Riker's innocent or guilty? This is embarrassing for him. Like, I hope that. He by the end of the episode, got to be thinking like, dang, everyone sees me as either this really sleazy guy or how embarrassing that everyone now knows how I see myself as this like <laughs> sort of masculine ideal. I just think it's hilarious. And Riker pouts a lot. Uh, so that's my that, choice. That is a hilarious, hilarious. Pick. Did you have a hashtag? Because your five words was so good. Uh, my hashtag is facepalm.gif. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know what else to be said. This perfectly matches your your prime directive, obviously. That is a clever, original way to look at duplicates and totally legit because you're seeing three or four different versions of them. And you know that they're all a little bit true in some level. There. Well, like Troy says, they're all the truth as each person perceives it, which is yes. really disturbing that. Manua yep, really believes that Riker tried to rape her, so that's kind of scary. But, Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. Ken, any, any quick comments on Matter of Perspective? You're a dead man, Afghar, <laughs> a dead man. Yes. That's all. The, that's like, all. the four different ways that Frank delivers that line is so funny. Each one is each one is better than the one before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't even need to drop that soundbite in now. I'll find, I'll find something else because <laughs> that was too good. All right, Cam, what's your number five pick? <laughs> okay, well, for my number five pick, um, my five words are the salvation of the galaxy. And my hashtag is a perfect specimen. I'm talking about Spock 2 from 
the animated series, Episode 7, The Infinite Vulcan. Oh, no, you did not. (laughs) I did. I went to the animated series, Jim. Sorry. I know it's your favorite. It's my favorite. So... And that is so probably, that's, that's, two, the, uh, that's the all-time duplicate. I mean, and that's right. And a, and a pretty good, a pretty good reason for why it's not canon. Go ahead, Ken. Sorry. A mm. uh, twenty-five foot tall clone of Spock, uh, created by a fifth-generation clone of a eugenics war scientist, to create a race of giant Vulcans to be the peacekeeping force of the galaxy. Uh, it is pretty nuts. Spock mind melds with himself using the touch of his finger. And at the end, Kirk's like, hey, stick around, work some science. And then they just fly off, leaving a giant Spock behind on this planet. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's exactly that's exactly what happened, Ken. Yep, that is exactly what happened in that amazing episode. I like to think he's still out there. I like to think he's still out there someplace, giant. Yeah. Giant and Vulcan. Any thoughts on Giant Spock, Claire? Or can we just move on? We can. I was going to make a bad joke, but I don't have to. <laughs> no, make your make the joke. Uh, Mind melding with yourself using a finger sounds like a euphemism for something else. That's all. <laughs> that was not a bad joke. That was a hilarious joke. Okay, my number five pick. Mind your own business, Mr. Spock. Hashtag, I'm sick of your half-breed interference. And my character, of course, is Android Kirk. Created by the Old Ones, or Roger Corby, in the episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Season 1, Episode 9. The starting point is that this is an awesome early TOS episode, and I actually picked this I actually picked this as one of my favorite Kirk episodes back in our very first episode of Trek Ranks ever because of this, this moment. I love Kirk's quick thinking when they throw him into the Old Ones machine to make duplicate androids of... Uh, of people, and that's when he purposefully repeats to himself this uncharacteristic slur towards Mister Spock, so that it will obviously tip off Spock to what Corby's up to when, uh, if and when that android Kirk goes up to the Enterprise. So I love that scene; super smart and clever. I love all the the antics of the android Kirk and uh, the scenes that he's in, right up to the point where Andrea kills him. So that is my pick. I love that episode, which was. Uh, written by Robert Block of Psycho Fame, so one of my one of my favorites. Claire, Ken, any thoughts on what are little girls made of? Well, you know, I always kind of found the um, the whole whirly gig uh, duplicator machine pretty <laughs> pretty fascinating. I, I don't know; it always makes me a little bit dizzy when I watch that scene. But uh, the other thing that's interesting is that um, you know, as a duplicate of Kirk, that's the second time in seven or eight episodes in the first season they came up with two. Uh, duplicates of of Kirk right right away off uh, the launch of the series, and um, you know I think they the episodes even aired pretty quick pretty close together within like two or three weeks. Um, so hopefully people watching at home are tired of the idea. Can't can't go wrong with a little extra Kirk. Claire, how about you? <laughs> That's a good point you make, Ken, about those two episodes being so close to each other, and it just. Reminds me of, I think it's a season seven of TNG where it seems like data gets taken over or mind, mind controlled or something goes wrong with him like four or five times within a, feels like a 10 or 15 episode span where it's like they, they would be turning, turning him off or maybe, maybe we shouldn't have an Android. Maybe we shouldn't have an Android on the bridge. Yeah. Like <laughs> this guy keeps breaking. Maybe he's getting close to his warranty. I don't know. Okay. Hilarious. All right. Well, let's move on to round four then. Claire, I cannot wait now for your number four pick based on your number five. (laughs) What's up? All right. My five words are control F Locarno, replace Paris. So (laughs) my number four choice is Nick Locarno slash Tom Paris. So quick, quick overview in case anyone doesn't remember or know. Nick Locarno is a character played by Robert Duncan McNeil that is just in one TNG episode, The First Duty. Uh, And then a year or two later, Robert Duncan McNeil gets hired to play Tom Paris as a regular cast member on Voyager, and he is playing the exact same character in both instances, uh, to the point that Admiral Paris, Tom Paris's father, has a framed photo of Robert Duncan McNeil as Nick Locarno on his desk (laughs) at Starfleet headquarters. Um, the reason for this is that 
they actually wanted Nick Lacarno to be on Voyager, but they did not want to have to pay royalties to Ron Moore and Narain Shankar, who wrote the first duty. So they just changed the character's name. And, and that's it. They, uh, they named him after another European city. Exactly. Yeah. One syllable first name, <laughs> European city last name. Yeah. Yes. That, uh, okay. And my hashtag is... Oh, yeah. What's their hashtag? Uh, the hashtag is just the first duty is to royalties. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Ken, any any comments on the Nick Licardo, Tom Paris duplicates? Well, it's one of those things like um, there's so many times when either someone's cast a second time or, you know, even the same the same prop, the same model ships used. They think we don't notice. We notice. We know. We don't forget. I like when they have a little bit of a uh, I can't think of the word like a a little bit of a troop mentality. Like I, I remember Iris Stephen Bear had a great interview about that related to Senator Kretak because he, he wanted to cast a third actress to play her in her third appearance just so there was a different one every every episode after Adrian Barbeau had been uh, replaced. Anyway, I love this pick. Actually, I should have said this is actually the perfect doppelganger pick because if Tom Paris was ever hanging out and saw Nick Lacarno, he'd be like, oh my God, that guy's my doppelganger. The way you would do if you when you see someone that looks like yourself, and like you know that Nick Lacarno, after he got kicked out of Starfleet Academy, totally went to that bar in Marseille where Tom Paris hung out. Oh, you know, that, like <laughs> totally, they would have gone and done the same things uh, with their life. Genius, I love it. Yeah, I figure when 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 Harry, I figure when Harry Kim gets stuck back on Earth and non sequitur, he's really hanging out with <laughs> yes. Nick Lacarno. Yes, I like that. All right, Cam, what's your number four pick? All right, my number four pick is a little bit, a uh, little bit off the wall. Um, the uh, five words are "Doctor Crusher was not here," uh, and my hashtag is Jordy's dead." It's Doctor Ogawa from Parallels TNG season oh, seven. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a quick appearance. It's only maybe two or three minutes of screen uh, screen time. Uh, it's uh, for those who may not remember the two minutes of the episode. Uh, this is where Dr. Crusher's nurse, uh, Ogawa, who we see throughout several years, of the next generation uh, in one of Worf's parallel realities uh, is actually the chief medical officer of the enterprise with a different hairstyle. She's wearing uh, Dr. Crusher's blue robe and uh, she's the one uh, over Geordi's, uncomfortably naked body in uh, in the sick bay when he's been killed on the ship. Uh, I don't know. I've always just been really intrigued by, by that, uh, that version of the character. You know, there's really not much to it except it's just a, a, a difference for people who paid attention to kind of the background actors in the show. But um, I don't know. I always kind of wanted to know more about what was going on on the ship. If uh, Dr. O'Gow was in charge. That is a cool one. Cause she, She's always kind of a cool background character every time you see her. But that was a prominent appearance and I and very very memorable, I think. Claire, any comments on Dr. Ogawa and Parallels? I love this. Deep cut. Great choice. Yeah, I I had several different options from Parallels that I considered, but I didn't do them cuz I was hoping that somebody else would and so this is awesome. Okay, I am going to jump into my number 4 pick which is uh, always gets me emotional. All right, five words and a hashtag. We'll give it away. But Trek and Janeway's toughest moral dilemma. Hashtag R.I.P. Tuvix. And my character, of course, is the combination of Tuvok, Tuvok and Neelix, Mister Tuvix, in season two, episode twenty-four of Voyager. And yep, I'm going there. I. There's no way I could compile this list without listing one of the most impactful doppelgangers in Star Trek history, as far as I'm concerned. And he is Mr. Tuvix. And I mean, the episode is just so beautiful. And it's one of those episodes I appreciate more and more every time I see it, because I think most of that's based on this amazing performance from Tom Wright, because he really captures those two guys. And then you start getting used to him and you start to value it, value him. And you really like having him around. So when the decision comes that he's going to get bounced, and by bounced, I mean murdered, uh, it's pretty tough to take. So what's uh, where do you guys stand on Tuvix, which is a definitely a controversial figure in Trek lore? Claire? 
I mean, I think Janeway, it was an ultimate captain moment for Janeway. She made the tough decision that she didn't want to have to make, that nobody else wanted to have to make, but she has to do it because she's the captain. And at the very least, it do- Tuvix does die, but I feel like his spirit lives on in that Neelix and Tuvok end up having this, I guess you could call it a close relationship, but they definitely have a better and different relationship for the rest of the series than they had prior. Um, they appreciate each other. They are... Tuvok would never admit it, but they're friends. Yeah. Well, for sure, Tuvok and, Tuvok and Neelix are going to be high on my uh, my bro list whenever we do uh, Trek Ranks number one bromances. Ken, what's your uh, what's your Tuvik's take? Well, you know, it, it is pretty cold-blooded. <laughs> you, know, you know, the crew had pretty much all tur- turn away from him. It's that scene where he's on the bridge trying to plead for his life to it's everyone. Rough. It's uh, It, it is kind of uncomfortable. It really is. You know, it does kind of pay off down the line when uh, he and Neelix sort of get paired up again in uh, Riddles when Tuvok loses control of his emotions yeah. and he kind of turns into a kind, kind, gentle guy. But it's one of those things that you really think would be uh, mentioned again, you know, even though we know Voyager wasn't um, always the best at remembering its own history. Um, the one thing I really like uh, these days about uh, Tuvok, uh, Tuvix, uh, he's had a little bit of a resurgence, I think, in fan culture. Uh, if you have ever played the, um, the digital game uh, Star Trek Timelines, uh, you play with all sorts of different versions of characters throughout the, uh, the Trek franchise uh, in a digital game, and you can combine different versions to form different functions. You can combine, uh, if you have a Neelix and a Tuvok in your arsenal, you can combine them to have it to create a uh, Tuvix character in the game. It's sort of a secret unadvertised. That is, That's cool. That is awesome. And I did not know that. And hashtag Tuvix lives. Fantastic. Claire, what's your, what's your number three pick? Soup round. We're in the soup round. What's your, what's your number three top five doppelganger duplicate All right. and double? My five words are thorough, dedicated, steady, reliable, punctual. That would be Lieutenant Junior Grade Picard from Tapestry. Oh, sad. So I don't really know if this qual. I mean, he's not a double, but he's sort of. No, totally. Uh, that's a. For like that's five a, minutes, he exists. Duplicate or a displaced reality. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, first off, I just want to say Patrick Stewart looks phenomenal in the teal. Yes. I mean, he looks so good in that uniform, but it's also bizarre to see him in it. Um, this episode really rags on Lieutenant Picard as being a lame nobody. And while that might be true comparing him to Captain Picard, like the guy still lives and works on the Starfleet fag- flagship and basically has a job that every single viewer would sell a kidney for. So, <laughs> um, it sort of bothers me how much they rag on him and how much Picard rags on himself. I mean, he's, he, it looks like he is Lieutenant Picard for all of about five minutes before he starts yelling out to Q that he would rather die the man he was than live the man he just saw. Like, chill out, Picard. <laughs> um, also, Riker and Troy and a few other senior officers, you kind of see that they really give him the cold shoulder too, which is interesting because Q says that nothing has changed except for Picard. So between tapestry and maybe lower decks like are the senior and and also uh hollow pursuits are the senior officers all just sort of dicks <laughs> to to people who are not their their fellow senior officers i don't know these are the same people who do their crew evaluations in the middle of 10 forward so totally you know so true you kind of get what their mindset is right yeah now. that's very true and you remember what happened when scotty came on board oh uh, yes everyone was like well, we don't have time we don't have time for this guy <laughs> so. yeah yeah um so and my my hashtag is bit melodramatic don't you think i think picard <laughs> like i get that he doesn't want to live that way forever but honestly it's like five minutes and he is pleading for death literally that's a, that's a little harsh i uh, i feel for him i feel for him does it amuse you to think of me living out the rest of my life as a dreary man in a tedious job? I gave you something most mortals never experience. A second chance at life. And now all you can do is complain? I can't live out my days as that person. That man is bereft of passion and imagination. That is not who I am. Au contraire. He's the person you wanted to be. 
One who was less arrogant and undisciplined in his youth. One who was less like me. The Jean-Luc Picard you wanted to be, the one who did not fight the Nausicaan, had quite a different career from the one you remember. So sad. So sad. That's a great moment. That's my take on it. Ken, what's your take on it? Yeah, it's 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 always a really interesting sequence, especially you know, like clear what you said, seeing uh, Patrick Stewart in the uh, in the blue uniform. It's it's really sort of out of place. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, of the few uh, old action figures I still have tucked away, one of them is the uh, Picard uh, in blue from uh, this episode. So it's memorable to me as well. The one thing I, that always struck me about. Um, tapestry at least that section of it is you know i was always curious to see what the rest of the ship was like you know they they couldn't include crusher because you know that's picard got her onto the ship so they had to have q be the pretend doctor in that scene i was always curious to see what uh captain hobson was like who yeah. made of the enterprise and why they didn't uh, reference some other previous character we'd seen well we all know that's an all-time classic episode of trek all right, Ken, what's your number three pick? All right, my number three pick is the five words are throwing himself into the part. The hashtag, your logic is flawed. This is Mobar uh, from the Delta Quadrant, who is uh, conning people as his version of Tuvok in the Live Fast and Prosper. Oh, man, that is great. I did not think of Live Fast and Prosper. I love it. So, you know, I always kind of – I always got a kick out of that episode, but I always thought that his take on Tuvok was sort of like the ultimate, you know, role-play experience because he really – commits to the whole role as a Vulcan. He's, his, their race is, is bald because they all wear wigs, but he says he likes the hair. Uh, and then, you know, he's always staying in character, even when he's just around his other, uh, the other con, uh, con artists on the ship. And finally, at the end, Tuvok shows up and he gets all wide-eyed and, <laughs> and excited to see him, and Tuvok just shoots him. It's oh, great. so funny. <laughs> it's such a, such a hilarious pick. And he is... Tuvok's double. He's out there impersonating him. Captain, I must point out that dilithium is worth nearly twice as much as bolomite. Tuvok, these people need our help. I'm not going to quibble over a few tons of ore. Perhaps we should celebrate. I wish we could, but there's a neutronic storm approaching our ship. We should be leaving orbit. Um, Give us an hour to finalize the arrangements. We'll be waiting to hear from you. Before we leave... Would it be possible to tour your facility? It's our duty as Starfleet officers... Unfortunately, the storm won't wait. Maybe on our next visit. Live long and prosper. Ugh, this hair is so uncomfortable. I find it aesthetically pleasing. Ugh. The negotiations... It would have been perfect if Tuvok hadn't decided to improvise. I was portraying my character as truthfully as possible. Claire, what's your what's your take on Live Fast? Uh, I don't <laughs> want to say too much because I've got some things to say about it later. Okay, I love that teaser. We might have a duplicate. We'll see. Or something close. All right, I will move on then to my round three. Which is, and this is this is a standard one, but I, I couldn't leave it off the list. Five words and a hashtag are, it's me, I'm the someone. Hashtag, I'm the one it finds. And it is Jean-Luc Picard as Cayman in the inner light. Which, again, could have tried to keep this off my list. It's a little bit of a safe pick, but definitely not a deep cut. One of my all-time favorite episodes, and just too perfect and too emotional not not to include it. I don't think I need to say much more than than that about the inner light. It's a top five episode of Trek ranks, and I get lost in Patrick Stewart's portrayal of Picard as Cayman. I just love love that ending. It floors me every time. Uh, Ken, what's your take on the inner light? 
You know, it's interesting. It, that's sort of a, a character that I hadn't really thought of as a duplicate because it really is Picard just sort of going down a different path from where we see him at the beginning of the episode on the Enterprise. Um, but certainly by the by the end of his his time, he truly has turned into a different character, and um, yeah, it's a great pick. You know, it's a classic. What else can you say? Yeah, I like to look at it as this displaced reality kind of pick where he's obviously lived an entire life uh, as another person. So Claire, how about you? I mean, it's clearly like he is changed by that for the rest of his life. It's one of the few things that TNG repeatedly references back to as far as life changing character events. I mean, he continues to play that flute. Um, Like they barely mention, you know, his assimilation by the Borg. It does get mentioned a few times, but it seems like his experiences in the inner light are probably more impactful to his life than becoming Locutus or any other major event. Yeah. For that time and era, they did a good job of making sure that storyline had a little bit of a lasting impact. So, all right, Claire, your number two pick. Can't wait to hear it. What's, what's, what's on, what's your latest selection? All right. This one barely counts, but I'm doing it anyway. My five words are data can small talk me anytime. It is him, uh, Data, mimicking Commander Hutchinson in Starship Mine. So we got two Morgan <laughs> Gandalf right. picks. That's, oh, two straight Morgan Gandalf picks. I love yeah. it. So Data impersonating Hutch. Is that what I'm hearing? Data, yeah. His Data so barely counts. And this was a last-minute edition, like an hour ago. I put this on my list. Um, data mimicking Commander Hutchinson. Small talk. So it's, uh, you know, when they're down on the planet while they have to evacuate the Enterprise because it's getting some baryon sweep or whatever. I don't think that's the right sweep, but whatever. Yeah, it was. Data, it is a baryon sweep. Okay. Data's lurking in the background, miming Commander Hutchinson, who is this infamously horrible uh, small talk guy. And Data (laughs) looks like Pee Wee Herman. I mean, I don't know if it's you've ever seen Wee's big adventure, but data looks like Pee Wee Herman, like mugging for the camera back there, shrugging, doing stuff with his face. And I love every second of it. By the time data and Hutch start talking to each other, it's like this feedback loop of increasingly trivial minutia. And I swear if it wasn't interrupted by the hostage situation, they would like converge into a single being. They're just so, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's, it's, I just it's, love it. It probably barely counts. I was serving on Admiral Mitchell's staff on Starbase 97. Awful place, by the way. Have you met our Commander Dane? Take your meaning exactly. As a matter of fact, I find it oddly amusing. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I'll introduce, sir. There are several cultures in this sector with extremely similar etymological histories. For example... Mr. Data. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet our host, Commander Hutchinson. Call, Call me, me Hutch. Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Data, our second officer. A pleasure. The pleasure is mine. Hutch. <laughs> I've been meaning to compliment you on your choice of colors here. Oh, you really think so? Mm. Well, it wasn't easy making a final decision, let me tell you. I can well imagine. The light in this room would make color selection exceptionally problematic. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> It's absolutely hilarious. And for anyone who thinks it doesn't count, I'm going to go ahead and just rename the title of the episode as Top 5 Doppelgangers, Duplicates, Doubles, and Impersonations. Yes. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> I would say that that's such a great pick. And I love uh, – you're right about the feedback loop because at the end, I think they're even laughing in sync with each other. It's great. Yes, they are. It's per- And the acting, not just for them, but the, even – the rest of the bridge crew watching that. I mean, the acting for that entire scene is phenomenal. It's, it's hilarious. Data small talk is fantastic. Soup to nuts from the beginning of the episode to, to the end. All right. I love it. Ken, how about you? What's your number two pick? Uh, my number two pick is, uh, again, a short appearance, but a memorable one. Uh, the five words, and this, this might give it away. The five words are four is more than enough. Hashtag, we've barely begun. It's the changeling version of Miles O'Brien who appears on Earth to, ca- to Captain Sisko in Paradise Lost. Oh, man. I had a fourth Miles O'Brien reference I could have dropped in the open. That's fantastic. 
Well, the other three you said were in my the, the other three you mentioned are in my secondary system, so I'm glad I picked the fourth one. You didn't. Remember. All right, <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. So, all right, what? Why did you think it? Yeah. So, for those who remember the scene, this is when Earth's been knocked into a blackout um, during the era of Changeling paranoia in DS9's fourth season. Um, we find out later that it's really um, you know Red Squad under command of uh, some. Uh, dysfunctional admiralty. Uh, but in the meantime, one of the changelings on earth decides to pay a visit to Cisco and just sort of laugh in his face, just telling him, do you really think you'll be able to find us with phaser rifles or, uh, and Colmini's performance is really great. Cause at first you think he's O'Brien, but he really tur- puts a twist on it. Uh, he, his voice is even a little bit higher pitched than normal. He really kind of puffs himself up with the arrogance saying, you know, we're better than you. We're smarter than you. Do you really think you can stop us? Uh, it's it's really – and I don't know. It's just a really great short little performance for an actor who's not really in the rest of the episode uh, much at all. Yeah, that's pretty much his only uh, only appearance. No, that's a, that's a great pick to think of. I, I love it. Claire, any uh, comments? Uh, no, great pick though. I was hoping somebody, I mean, there's so many choices with the changelings and then also with species 8472 and Voyager and you could have chosen what Boothby, I guess is in that. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you chose, somebody chose a changeling and you chose a really good one too. And not one that people would probably immediately think of. Yeah. I, it's funny. Changelings for some reason didn't even pop into my head as, as options, but that, that is a great pick. Uh, and we finally get a DS9 reference. So fantastic. All right. My number two pick is my five words in a hashtag are all time great sci fi conceit. Hashtag weird is part of the job. And it is the subspace divergence Janeway from Deadlock, season two, episode 21 of Voyager. One of my all time favorite episodes, number 13 at Trek Ranks. It's just an um, it's just an incredible hour of television when you and and sci-fi the way the way that episode begins and the way the second Voyager shows up. So I just love when these two Janeways are are together. They're played to perfection by by Kate Mulgrew. There's just a there's just a hint of that standoffishness between the two of them, but also there's like mutual respect. And then at the end, there's this great understanding that they know each other really perfectly and i love the scene where the the i don't even know which one it was says don't make me call security and have you escorted off my ship because you know i'll do it it's a brilliant line and it's a great episode and a great twist at the end when the beat up voyager ends up surviving i uh, i love that love that episode and i always had this one uh, high on my list because i love those two janeways together Captain, I think you should return to your ship and run a metallurgical analysis. Find out the precise phase modulation of your hull. I'll do the same here. Maybe we can find a way to realign the phase displacement. You're going to self-destruct your ship. What makes you say that? Because that's what I would do if your Voyager were intact. And my Voyager were crippled. My crew wounded or dead. I'd sacrifice my ship so that yours could survive. I'm glad we agree. Go back to your ship. I didn't say I agree. I said I understand. I'm not willing to let you make that sacrifice yet. We haven't explored all the options. Yes, we have, and we both know it. This is my ship and my decision. Captain, I'm not going to let you... I've made my decision. Please don't make me call security and have you escorted off my ship because... You know I'll do it. Ken, what's your take on deadlock? Yeah, it's definitely a great pick. The, the, the duplication of really the whole crew is uh, uh, a great part of that episode. You know, weird as part of the game, like you said, and that's with a duplicate Harry Kim who somehow survived the death of his own ship, and everyone just kind of forgets about it, which is, you know, that's pretty strange. But again, Voyager doesn't remember its own past very often sometimes. Well, yeah, that was a little bit – that was cool. That was, that was I mean, by the way uh, – Harry Kim's death in that episode was shocking. It was like, oh my God, he just died. How are they going to solve that? Claire, what's your uh, take on two Janeways and Deadlock? Oh yeah, it's a great episode, but you're right. The Harry Kim thing, it's cool. I mean, it's a 
great little story piece, but they never mention it again. Um, a, a lot of things have happened to Harry Kim that never get mentioned again, but um, you do, I guess it's nice. You get to see Janeway kind of doubling down on her caretaker decision uh, to sacrifice one Janeway sacrificing herself and her ship for the good of the other Janeway. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, uh, maybe, we'll, maybe later we'll do it since we're talking O'Brien and Harry Kim must, must suffer. Maybe we'll come up with a, a Trek ranks episode where we can compare our O'Brien versus Kim in suffering somehow and we'll rank it. Okay. I like this idea. And, and Trip, he, he gets a lot thrown Okay, out. that's fair. He actually dies. That's fair. He does. He's dead. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Your unluckiest characters. Let's move to number one, our round one. Claire, what's your number one pick? All right, my number one pick, the five words are uniforms courtesy of Party City. I'm going specifically with the fake Starfleet uniforms in Live Fast and Prosper. They are oh. amazing. <laughs> Uh, every single thing about him is so perfect. It's like Bob Blackman plucked them right off somebody at a Star Trek convention and just put them right on the actors. Like the com badges are too big and so are the pips. The V of color goes too far down the shoulder. The V-necks are too big. The zippers are obvious. I just, they're perfect. I love them. <laughs> That's a great pick. <laughs> My hashtag is dinner plate com badge. <laughs> Uh, these things are so big. They're, they're so big. That's amazing. <laughs> the undershirts are great too because they're not undershirts. They're just like little dickies underneath the collar. Yeah, you can like so flip them open. Yeah, it's really great. I can, of course, you would notice that with all your expertise on dissecting Trek on Trekcore. That that pick is hilarious. It's awesome. I cannot believe we have two live fast and prosper references on. This episode of Trek Ranks. I was not expecting that either. Ah, that is hilarious. All right, Ken, what is your number one pick? Well, my number one pick isn't uh, quite as uh, hilarious, and unfortunately it's a little bit sad. Uh, My number one pick, the five words are, may the founders forgive me. Hashtag, give me your blessing. It's Wayun Six, the defective clone who defected to the Federation. From Treachery, Fate, and the Great River in DS9 Season 7. I love that. I I kind of forgot that Wei-Yoon is a duplicate of himself. That's right. Eight eight or nine times. Eight times, right? Yeah, eight times. Oh, that is so great. And once again, we have another Treachery, Fate, and the Great River mentioned on Trek ranks. Go ahead, Ken. It's a wonderful episode. Uh, and, you know, this way in is, is really, really interesting because, you know, not only does he have a defect in his founder's gene or whatever that causes the uh, members of the Dominion to, to, you know, serve the founders of that question, he gets interested in, you know, human cuisine. He spends time eating off the replicator. Somehow he eats a pepperoni pizza with chopsticks. Uh, he tells the great story to Odo of how the founders uh, created the Vorta from little flourish creatures. Uh, and then finally, his the biggest part of his character, as short-lived as he is, is his sincere devotion to Odo once he uh, reveals that the changelings, that all the founders are sick with the disease that we later learn is caused by Section 31, and that he believes Odo will be the only founder left after the rest of the Dominion is dead. And he eventually sacrifices himself to keep Odo alive and so that Weiyun 7, who is willing to kill Odo, will let him let him live. What are you doing? Why have you activated the comm system? All right, call off those ships. Why should I? Because you don't need them anymore. I'm glad to see you've come to your senses. What have you done? I've saved your life and the Dominions as well. He's activated his termination implant and proven himself to be a worthy Vorta at last. I obey the Founders in all things. Now call off those ships. Yeah, it's really that's really emotional. So well done. Such a such a great underrated all time episode. Claire, where how about you on Treachery Faith in the Great River? Oh, it's amazing. And it's, I mean, 
all the way yoons are interesting and fun, but this one really human, I guess humanizes is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. Makes them sympathetic in a way, or at least this specific one sympathetic. Yep. Yep. Really great. Well, let's, let's stay on a somber note and move on to my number one pick, which was always going to be my number one pick when we're talking about doppelgangers, duplicates and doubles. My five words in a hashtag. You made a damn good father. Hashtag. And you were a damn good son. It is Sim and Trip Tucker from the Enterprise episode Similitude, season three, episode 10. My number three episode for Enterprise at Trek ranks. And what can you say? This is one of the best Trek episodes ever. And so much heart and emotion. So many incredible performances, literally, by all three of the actors that are playing Sim, not just Connor Trenier at the end, but also trip when he's like age four and then i think he's like age eight or nine and then it's a teenager so just really brilliantly well done and the storyline of developing the clone through dr flox's lysarian desert larvae is is also just really clever the whole thing's awesome and i know that someday when we do our top five tearjerker moments sim telling flox that he was a damn good father and Flox telling them he was a damn good son is going to be way high on my list, so for sure. I'm sorry I doubted you, Doc. No need to apologize. You're serious. You see, I don't just remember Tripp's childhood. I remember mine. You made a damn good father. You were a damn good son. You said to me once that Commanding a starship was what you were meant to do. I guess this is what I was meant to do. Good luck, Captain. Awesome duplicate. One of my favorites. And Claire, what's your take on similitude? I'm so glad you included this because I knew that if I stuck with my plan of going kind of goofy with my choices, I wasn't going to get to include picks like this one. And right. I'm really glad that someone else did um, because you're right. It's a fantastic episode. It's, it's this like real kind of high concept sci-fi episode that ends up being very emotional, which is surprising. I kind of feel like it belongs in the same category as drone of really, I didn't expect to be as moved by this episode as I was. Yeah, and you know, it's a great opening to the episode that essentially the cold open is Tripp's funeral. So you're just thrown right into this, the episode and you don't really know what's going on. And then once we do see how Tripp gets injured, that fall, the way they shot it with just debris and sparks flying everywhere, it really looks like he was really injured, even though we know the actor was safe. Right. Um, you know, the one thing about uh, Similitude, which and it is on my secondary systems too, it, it kind of reminds me of how – Tuvix, the episode, could have been handled a little bit better because with Sim, as soon as we know he's created, we know he's created to die in the end. But, you know, we see his growth. We don't want him to die at the end, but he has to. With Tuvix, we kind of know that by the end of the episode, everything was going to be fine for our characters. But they kept him in a way that that character didn't want to die and wouldn't accept his own fate. Um, So I think Sim has a... Uh, similitude has much more of a emotion to it to sort of draw you into the self-sacrifice than I think um, Tuvix ever really, really got to, because it does seem like it's much more thrust upon him to be killed uh, compared to Sim sort of accepting where his life is taking him. Yeah. I think that was kind of the point of Tuvix though. But I, if your if your point is that you kind of knew at the end he was going to turn back into Tuvok and, and Neelix, then – Understood. The similitude, you, you're really not sure how it's going to end up playing out, whether they'll let him live his life or not. So, but all time, all time great episode, to say the least. All right, let's jump into some secondary systems. Claire, let's start with you. What's, uh, what's on your list? Anything you want to throw out there? Yeah, this one almost made it into the top five. Uh, the different recordings of Jerry Goldsmith's theme of the motion picture and the next generation. <laughs> almost made it but then i was like i don't know what to say about it so didn't <laughs> i like your uh, sticking with sticking with the inanimate objects i like it <laughs> yeah um 
all 285,000 Enterprise Ds at the end of Parallels. <laughs> kind of a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of duplicates. Yeah. And then if we're going to go with like duplicates that don't work very well, I was going to do the stunt doubles for Riker and the Admiral in Conspiracy in that fight they have, which doesn't, <laughs> they don't look anything like the actors and it's not believable at all. Oh, I love those guys. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> all right. How about you, Ken? Any uh, secondary system picks? Yeah, my secondary system list was was really pretty long and I, and I kind of had a hard time narrowing it down. Yeah, me um, too. You know, I, I had, uh, you know, uh, all the different impersonations of the, of the crew that the doctor had to, had to do in Renaissance Man, becoming Janeway and Chakotay Ooh. and Torres. Yes. Uh, oh, that's a and good then one. doing that weird, that weird Spider-Man flip as pregnant Torres off the ceiling <laughs> in the corridor. <laughs> really strange. That's a good, good, good <laughs> shout. I like it. I also had Admiral Pike from the Kelvin Timeline movies with uh, – uh, Bruce Greenwood's version of the character. I just think he's a great, one of the great biggest parts of the Kelvin Timeline films that I think worked even better than I think some of the uh, regular casting, if, if you ask me, but uh, cool. thought he was always a good addition. Louis Zimmerman as the creator of the MH program. Uh, the Silver Blood version of the Voyager crew from Course Oblivion. Oh, yes. of course. That's a great one. That's The whole ship is duplicated. Course Oblivion. That's right. I didn't think of that one. I love it. Um, I had uh, Mirror Porthos, the Doberman from uh, In a Mirror Darkly. Uh, I, that's great. <laughs> I had um, Old uh, Old to Paul from E Squared uh, yeah. in Enterprise Season 3. That's a good one. And then the, the last one to make my secondary systems was um, when um, – Odo uh, was impersonating the female changeling to uh, take over the uh, uh, Jem'Hadar ship in the latter half of season seven of Deep Space yes. Nine. Yes, that was that was great. Was that tacking into the wind? Maybe tacking into the wind. You're yeah. right. Yeah, awesome. Okay, on my list, I had Mirror Quark in crossover. I love him because he's so proud and and he's doing the right thing and then he gets murdered or gets killed right off the bat and i love the mirror tuvok appearance and through the looking glass because it's just so random like oh there's tuvok in the mirror universe on deep space nine and i want to give a shout out to far beyond the stars and cisco's vision of benny russell's world because all those amazing performances from avery books cole meany armin shimmerman terry farrell renee aubergine wall incredible uh, performances there. And one last shout out to Vok and Tyler, because I got to give shout out to discovery. And I love that storyline Thought they did a a good job with, with that. So I will say very interesting. We've gone all the way through and I literally had on my list. No, I've thought about them, but no Will and Thomas Rikers and no data or lore references. So those are too obvious. Yeah, they it, obvious isn't real isn't a problem. It's I, th- I think most people won't pick it because they're not really that effectual. I mean, Will, Will and Thomas are pretty good, but Data and Lore gets a little. I actually did on my super long list. I actually did have something from Second Chances, but it wasn't Will and Thomas Riker. It was the bridge. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm going way deep. The bridge stunt double. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking yeah. about. But, yeah. The duplicate parallel. <laughs> right, but also. <laughs> If you watch the the end of Generations when Kirk is on that bridge and they die, I swear to God, it's the exact same bridge and it's the exact same like stunt. So it's definitely the same bridge from uh, Caretaker, right? I oh, I didn't even think about bridge. Caretaker. Yeah, I was just thinking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've seen that bridge before. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, fantastic discussion, guys. Now it's time to move on to our regeneration cycle and wind this episode down. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Let's go through a quick recap with Claire and Ken's picks. Claire, run through your top five. All right. So top five, or starting with five, we've got the different holodeck versions of Riker in the matter of perspective. At four, we have Nick Locarno and Tom Paris, who are the same person. At three, we have Lieutenant Junior Grade Picard, Science Officer Picard, and Tapestry. 
At two, we have Data's impersonation of Commander Hutchinson's small talk in Starship <laughs> Mine. And at number one, we have the fake Starfleet uniforms in Live Fast and Prosper. Uh, inspired. I may have to insert a Family Feud X after that second round pick. That no. <laughs> never. I would never do that. I love love deep cut picks. Love stretching the limit picks. All right, Ken, what's your uh, top five? Uh, my number five pick was Spock 2 from The Infinite Vulcan. My number four pick was Dr. Ogawa from Parallels. Uh, my number three pick is Mobar as Tuvok in Live Fast and Prosper. Uh, my number two pick is the Changeling version of O'Brien in Paradise Lost. And my number one pick was Weyoun clone number six from Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Another awesome list. And my top five were Kirk, the Kirk android, and what are, what are little girls made of? Tuvix from Voyagers. Tuvix, Picard as Cayman in the Inner Light. Duplicate Janeways in Deadlock. And the great similitude from Enterprise where Trip is cloned. So some quick stats and numbers. We had a pretty good even representation. No Kelvin timeline picks, but we did have a single pick for the original series, Enterprise, and the animated series. And then we had two Deep Space Nine picks, three from Voyager, and six from TNG. If we're... uh, Breaking down some characters, we had three captains represented, Janeway, Picard twice, and Kirk. And we had three uh, – then we had two first officers represented, Riker and Spock. So pretty good broad cut there for what we knew was going to be a broad topic. Great job, you guys. I love those lists. So as we do every week, we've once again entered a temporal causality loop. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop, and I suspect that something similar may have happened to you. All right, I say this every week, but this week I really mean it, and I can't believe how many top five one-off hero lists we received from everybody. So many awesome picks. So I'm just going to straight rattle off a bunch of my favorite deep cut picks from so many of the lists that came into us at Trek Ranks. And first off, I did not plan this, is Thad Hate at Tyrannicus, who chose Weyoun 6 as one of his top five one-off heroes from Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. I love that. We just heard about Weyoun 6 as a number one duplicate as well. We also had a pick for Captain Ramirez from The Expanse from Robert at Phil's Stalkers on Twitter. Jen S. at Eat at Quarks chose the baby changeling from The Begotten. And he had, she had a five word, which was uh, his dying act, a gift for Odo. Love that. Adam Hunal chose Soren from The Outcast, another super cool deep cut pick. Daniel Martin and Troy Dennehy. Daniel Martin's at Dr. DSM and Troy Dennehy at Blinking 12. Had a great, awesome pick that I love from Hippocratic Oath, the Jem'Hadar Gorin Agar. Reading Trek podcast at Reading Trek had Sim Tucker. Oh, my gosh. I forgot that was two. So two of our number one picks were one-off heroes. That's amazing. Hashtag he died so that Trip may live. That's amazing. I didn't even realize we had both of those on there. And then two more picks because these are all so good. Foz Rotten at Foz Rotten had Nos from Gravity, which is one of my all-time favorite episodes. And at Tainted Bill chose from DS9's past tense, Michael Webb. And I will say I thought about Michael Webb after we recorded that episode and was kicking myself for not including him. So fired up that he got picked All right, so with those great picks, we've once again easily pulled ourselves out of this week's temporal causality loop. As always, keep all these amazing responses to Trek Ranks coming. It's it's great to hear from everybody. We're at Trek Ranks on Twitter and at Enterprise Extra. Send us your lists so we can retweet them. We also want to hear from you, so feel free to put your own list together and give us a call at... The Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. We would love to hear your top five doppelgangers, duplicates, and doubles list. If you want to give us a call, that's 609-512-LLAP. 
So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we're doing a roundup of Discovery Season 1, which, spoiler alert, is awesome. So our next episode is going to be our top five Discovery Season 1 moments. I can't wait to talk about that with our two awesome guests who are going to be Alex Perry and Bill Mann, who's uh, on Trek Live. Love those guys. They know their Trek. So Claire and Ken, another bit of a broad canvas here. We're going to keep it open, I think, here. So you can pick anything you want to highlight from Season 1 of Discovery. What's the first thing that pops in your head, Claire? I'm going to have to go with the Mary University uniforms. Oh, see? Perfect. They were just awesome. I love that. That is an awesome pick. Ken, what would, what would be something you would want to highlight? Probably the first time we saw Discovery use its spore drive. You know, as an effect, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in, in the franchise to date. Spinning three directions at once. And dropping in the way it does. So yeah. cool. So cool. Okay, you guys just proved that this is going to be an awesome episode, and I cannot wait to talk to those guys about it. <laughs> All right, so before we wrap it up, a huge thanks to Claire Little and Ken Riley. Awesome show, guys. Really appreciate you coming on. Hope you had fun. Definitely. Uh, it's a great time as always. All right. Thanks, guys. And just want to thank everyone for engaging with us here on Episode 21 of the Trek Ranks Podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Hi there, thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5yearmission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and 5yearmission.net. Check them out today. You're a dead man, Afghar, a dead man. Yes. <laughs>